Because I actually genuinely don't know this story. I freaking drunk. <laughs> this is so unfair. This is so unfair. This is Perfect History with Cola and Anyway, this is half ass history. I'm Cola and this is my mom. <laughs> Introduce yourself. My name is Lori Matucci. Anyway, we were talking about something else that brought up something, but I can't remember what it is. This is what we do. Yeah. <laughs> the ADD is <laughs> thick with us. <laughs> well, this is going to be kind of an interesting test episode. We'll see if it gets posted. <laughs> okay, let's get serious. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we don't have a whole lot of time to banter, so... Right, we're going to 12th Street. Like, get on no with this. No one knows what that means. I don't care, I do. Yikes. <laughs> okay, my topic is pretty yeah. short already, because there's not a ton of information on it. So, um, and you literally looked up yours like a half hour ago, so... And I didn't really look nope. at any of it. So it's not going to be a long episode to begin with, no. so maybe we can chill out. I looked it up like, oh gosh, weeks ago and wrote this and I haven't really looked at it since. So it's probably going to be delivered real shittily. So just go with it. Um, (laughs) But it kind of bums me out that I don't have more information about this because it's kind of like an awesome topic and I feel like it should be talked about more and there should be more information about it. And it has been talked about a little bit. So it's not like there's no information, but it's just like not, not enough. What are your opinions or what is your opinion on Ashton Kutcher? Gosh. <laughs> I knew it was going to not be the most positive. What's your opinion of him? Do you like him? Does he bother you? Is he okay. annoying? Do you know anything I like, about him? I like dude, where's my car? Okay, that's funny. I like him in The Guardian. People think he's very good looking. I think they think this. And I'm like, okay, you're just a dude without a car terrible can we just (laughs) rewind (laughs) anyways um ashton kutcher i don't know enough about him but i don't think i think he's goofy looking i don't think he's good looking it's not like he would walk in a room like brad pitt or somebody he's just a dude oh you know what he actually did a really good movie with being steve jobs i really liked that movie Mm -hmm. So I think he's a good actor, and I do respect good actors, but... But is it is it kind of because you kind of learned who he was by that 70s show, and so you're just like, he's just that kind of dumb kid from I actually show? wasn't grown up enough mm-hmm. to watch the 70s show, and so probably a year and a half honestly I wasn't nearly 40 when it came out I I couldn't but about a year and a half ago I'm like oh I think I could watch some of these episodes now and and really enjoy enjoy them and I did and I'm like okay this is great but so none of none of his persona or whatever was based off the 70s show it was literally based off of movies okay and then he he married Demi Moore yeah All right. Well, she makes an appearance in this topic. Okay, so I actually really like Ashton Kutcher, but I like him because of who he is as a person. Like, the more and more I learn about who Mm. he is as a person, the more and more I'm like, I really like Ashton Kutcher. 
But he did get a start playing like really dumb, immature kind of douchebag roles, right? Like Kelso from that 70s show or Dude, Where's My Car? All that. Like, it, you know, you kind of look at him and you're like, he's just some idiot. But um, back when he was married to Demi Moore, they started to get really big into investing in tech companies. So like they were kind of, you know, like how Silicon Valley has kind of climbed and climbed and climbed and it's this big thing. So back in 2012, they were kind of really big into investing and all this stuff. And they actually co-founded a nonprofit called Thorn, um, which was previously called the DNA Foundation, um, which I think stands for like Demi and Ashton Foundation, but DNA. You're so judgy. Nobody can see this, but all she did was like do a whoop-de-doo kind of sign. You're so judgy for people. Just like give somebody a chance. Because by the end of this, you're going to be like, I'm an asshole. I always do that. I know. <laughs> you should learn to be nice. Okay. So Thorne's full name now is Thorne Digital Defenders of Children. So do you already start feeling bad a little bit? No. Oh, okay. So you're just still a sociopathic asshole. <laughs> Okay. No, I'm just going to listen. Okay. Um. So there's not, like, it's been featured on a couple internet articles about Thorne and what they do, but not enough. And it's weird that it's not being put out there more. Right. But, um, so a lot of this I just pulled from their website. So, or interviews that Ashton Kutcher has done. So this is a quote that he told 48 Hours. He said, What we do at our core is we build technology to help fight sexual exploitation of children. You can roll up your sleeves and go try to be like a hero and go save one person, or you can build a tool that allows one person to save a lot of people. So then you're so unimpressed by this. No, I'm not. I, I, (laughs) I wish there was an off button so I could ask you questions off. Just ask questions. I can edit them. No, no. Okay. Well, no, what I'm, really I feel like it's it, it's fine and I love it and I'm gonna be more educated but right now it's a little cliche because everybody is kind of on the sex trafficking or human trafficking sure. kick so I just I I'm interested and I want to hear him and Demi are not even together anymore right and she actually did an interview I think just recently Mm -hmm. about like he was pretty he cheated on her yeah Mm -hmm. yeah i didn't really pay attention so um that's part of my problem but i was like oh okay well i don't really care that much about ashton kutcher so i don't really care about this story but it didn't sound positive but anything to do with i liked the one person you know not just the one person but it It filters off to many people. Right. So I'm very interested. Okay. Well, this was also in 2012. So this is a bit early for people because, yeah, a lot of people are all about sex trafficking now. But this was seven years ago when it wasn't really quite as... Mm -hmm. It was probably right at the beginning. Yeah. They probably kind of kick-started a lot of it. Yes, I believe so. Um, So Thorne's CEO is named Julie Cordua. And... (sighs) Okay. And she joined after um she joined after they, you know, uh created the after they created Thorn after 2012. She joined a little bit later and um she began to dig 
She joined after to begin to dig further into the issues of child sex trafficking. And she realized that there was a common theme that emerged from those working in the field and that technology was playing a a role in extending the crime. However, technology had yet to play a significant role in its solution. So basically technology was helping all of these predators find children, but there was no technology helping law enforcement, you know, save those kids. And so um, it says their team started out in the space focused on investing in the innovation phase of potential tech-led approaches to ending online child sex abuse. Um, And within the two or and within the first two years, they realized that they needed to shift their model for scalable long-term change. So within two years, they were already like, we got to switch this up. Like we're already making advancements and we know where this needs to go rather than just keep trying to like get, you know, what wasn't working to work. They were like, no, no, we got to, we got to change our, our journey. Essentially. Do you want to go get a drink? Go fill up. Oh, are you sure? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. This is like anything that you start, Mm -hmm. you have to improve later. Mm -hmm. So, wow. Yeah. Okay. This is interesting. I wish I didn't say what I said already. It's fine. Whatever. Okay. So just real quick though, I figured this would kind of interest you. Yeah, it does interest me. For sure. But also because your background is you dealt a lot with child victims of mm-hmm. stuff yeah, for so I am many interested. years. Now, that's why I'm saying, you knew, you 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 pegged it. You're like, you're going to feel like shit after this. <laughs> why? I read one paragraph more after you just shit all over Ashton Kutcher and you were already like, damn it. <laughs> I know, and I do it all the time. It's like, keep your opinion to yourself, Lori, and stop judging You're such people. a good listener, but yeah, you judge before you listen. So huh. this is great. Like I said, most of this was pulled from either um, interviews or from their website. So a lot of it is written in kind of that like first person type of thing of like our team. So I'm going to do my best to switch it up because again, I didn't really rewrite this. I just kind of copy pasted shit and just plagiarized the whole thing. So hopefully I can flip it around when it's not actual quotes from interviews. But it says what? Oh, you just moved close to the mic like you had a soundbite. But anyways, okay. So in 2014, um, their team prototyped a product to aid in identifying child sex trafficking victims who were sold online. And they made the decision to develop the product itself and provide it for free to law enforcement. Yeah. Wow. This approach like broke open their new model and um, it moved beyond innovation to include productization and rapid scale bypassing existing bureaucratic structures that often hamper access data sharing and collaboration because that's one thing i listen to a lot of true crime podcasts like that's all i do and it's one of the most frustrating things to listen to them talk about murders or predators or anything is um i don't know if you know this but police precincts do not ever speak to each other. It is very rare that they share any information. And so you could have a serial killer acting in one area, in one county, and he can move to the same state, just in a different county, and start killing people there. And they will take decades to link the two. 
the Golden State Killer was like all up and down California for years. And he started out as like a ransacker. He started and then he turned into a rapist and they turned into a murderer. And it took them forever to actually like link a lot of the crimes to the same person because nobody speaks to each other. So there's not a lot of data sharing between everyone. And so they've created this kind of software that allows them to be like anyone to access it essentially and be like, here's these creepy people or here's these victims that we need to find. Their website says, we now house the first engineering and data science team focused solely on developing new technologies to combat online child sexual abuse, which is incredible. And then it says, at Thorn, we form long-term partnerships to build tools to fight child sexual abuse. We want our partners at tech companies in law enforcement and at NGOs to have what they need to help kids. So we identify the needs, gather resources, and create powerful solutions. Yeah, they just want to help save kids, which mm-hmm. is great. Like, they're not trying to make money off of it. They're not trying to sell it to anyone. They're just like, this is a problem. And especially with the internet nowadays, it's like everyone can fall victim to it, you know? So, okay, so this is one thing. There's a lot of articles floating around that say that this software that they developed has helped save 6,000 people from sex trafficking, but that's not accurate. What they've done is identify 6,000 people. Since this article came out, it's actually over 10,000 people that they've identified, but they haven't rescued that many. They've just been able to identify who these people are, like the victims are. And they're like, this person was sold to sex traffickers, but they haven't been able to like locate them or find those people. Yeah, or rescue them. Okay. Um, But at least they've been able to identify 10,000 people. But there's a lot of articles saying they've helped save, and that's not quite true. But their software has helped rescue 103 victims of sex trafficking since September 2008 that they're aware of. So that's in the last year, 100 victims they've already saved. So that's pretty incredible. This is just an actor and his wife. Well, two actors that were like, we want to save some kids. Mm -hmm. Like, that's great. I'm actually surprised you didn't see this, but he recently testified before the Senate Foreign Relations Committee in a hearing on progress in um, combating modern slavery. And he said, quote, we refuse to live in a world where the technology exists to help kids, but simply isn't being used. We build powerful products, lead new programs, maintain essential resources, and develop awareness campaigns to attack the issues from all sides. We want tech companies, law enforcement, and NGOs to leverage everything we do. And not only has he co-founded this organization, but Ashton Kutcher actually spoke before the Senate. And he's even gone on FBI raids where he was quoted saying, um, I've seen things that no person should, should ever see. No person should ever see. And in his Senate hearing, he said, it's working like our stuff is working in six months within 25%. No, sorry. It's working in six months with 25% of our users reporting. We've identified over 6,000 trafficking victims, 2,000 of which are minors. Um, This tool has enhanced 4,000 law enforcement officials in 900 agencies. And and we're reducing the investigation time by 60%, which is incredible. 60% because you I mean you watched the first 48 and all that kind of stuff too so it's like you know how time sensitive these things are 60% is huge and their software tool is called spotlight 
Um, when he was testifying in front of the Senate, he said, quote, I've seen video content of a child that's the same age as mine being raped by an American man that was a sex tourist in Cambodia. This child was so conditioned uh, by her environment that she thought she was engaging in play. Um, he said, I've been on the other end of a phone call from my team asking for help because we had received a call from Homeland Security telling us that a seven-year-old girl was being sexually abused and that the content was being spread around the dark web. She had been being abused and they had watched her for three years and they could not find the perpetrator. And they were asking us for help. We were the last line of defense and actor and his foundation were the potential last line of defense. That's my day job and I'm sticking to it. So um, if you haven't listened to his speech, I pretty much reread most of it, but um, it's actually like really worth watching because it's incredible. And like, and that's gotta be hard too. Cause he's now married to Mila Kunis and they have like two young children. Mm-hmm. So like now he's a father and he's like, mm-hmm. this is even more upsetting. Like he's, he founded this before he even had kids, but now he like has children that are that age. And he's like, it's gotta be so beyond upsetting. Okay. So what is this platform that they do? How, I mean, how does it affect the perpetrators? What, what are happening to them? It just goes through the same law enforcement thing, but their software is just helping to identify these people. I don't quite know how it works, but they're able to kind of bring in tips. And if, but also if someone is missing, they're able to kind of talk to Thorne and they can kind of, it's just a software that kind of helped builds more of a heat map of kind of what these people were doing rather than law enforcement. Because a lot of times like law enforcement, I mean, God bless them, but a lot of times they really aren't working for us, sadly enough. I mean, it's I, I just think that there is a lack of training, uh, especially something like this. So working at the Children's Justice Center for six years and, and working with, you know, sexually abused children, there was a need for forensic interview training mm-hmm. of law enforcement and child protective services because that was never in place. Yeah. So they would get a statement from a child and it, it just what it's a child. So it wasn't court worthy and it could be thrown out of court. And then this scumbag could be back out on the streets. Yeah. And sadly enough, this is why I'm very interested in the perpetrators of of the sex traffickers, is I would uh, track through the court system um, the people that were found guilty of sexually abusing these children, maybe with a third-degree felony, and by the time I tracked it, it might have been a third-degree misdemeanor, which yeah. means some probation maybe a small time in jail there things just are not in place so i do commend uh ashton and demi or whatever uh for seeing that you know they they started this but there was a need to change and innovate and do some other stuff with their program because it's never set perfectly up right at the beginning i mean it's it's an ever changing Mm -hmm. thing sure so and it will continue to be and people do need to get involved and 
Yeah. Be aware of this. It, this subject is so upsetting to me. So I, I, I get really serious with it. And I'm just, yeah, I'm very impressed. Yeah. I get really upset with it too, though. But it's probably because, I mean, I was raised with you working in these environments. You worked in these environments when I was a kid and throughout my teen years. And so, like, you used to transcribe, um, you know, a lot of the interviews from the county that we lived in. And so I feel like you always knew all the horrible things that happened. And we were like, we live in this nice, safe county, you know? And it was like, no, 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 there's creeps freaking everywhere. And so I always felt very like, like you were very protective and a little bit stifling, but I get why. Like I never, I like it always made sense to me because you were always like, you can't go out. You need like, I mean, I could go out, but it was always like, you can't hang out with boys alone and I need to know your friend's parents. And and I get it and I completely appreciate it, especially as an adult, because I'm like, I don't trust any of you creeps. <laughs> so I, I fully understand it. But um, what was my point with that? I don't know. <laughs> I trailed off. Oh, but no, just that I feel really passionate about it too, because I get a lot of people that are like, it's, it's horrible nowadays to still see people that will put the blame on the victim and be like, they asked for it. No one asked to get raped. No one. No one wants that. No seven-year-old in Cambodia even knows what she's doing. She's being programmed to think that this is play and it's okay. It's horrifying. So yeah, it's like it it it's one of the things that will I mean real quickly enrage right. me where I'm me like too. I have to like I can't be uh communicate with people about it because it's like it just uh, spikes a rage my, yeah a rage and I can't happening. yeah and I can't communicate why and are they, they don't want to listen to evil it? people I don't get it like I know we're evil but I can't even imagine and I'm sorry that that's okay a statute of limitations on rape? Right. No. no. <laughs> Thank you. No. Never. Are you kidding me? It is, it's the most frustrating thing in the world. Or that freaking Brock Turner case, which still, I know there's a million of them. You know exactly who it is. He's the stupid Stanford swimmer. Oh, yes, that I know. You've girl. posted and you hate. And I, I hate do too. Him so well, much. we don't hate anybody, but <sighs> we good don't. gosh. But he, um, that judge though. Oh, this is going to have a really hard impact on his life. Oh, he, boo-hoo. This is the problem when people are not educated and don't understand. They yeah. need to take the time, set themselves apart, and and educate yourself on the other side. Yeah, I, I think Ashton Kutcher, you know, like, I know a lot of things about Keanu Reeves that he does amazing stuff. He's great. And I've, and I've read that stuff, and, and I love every movie he's in, and he's good looking. So, I mean, he's kind of dorky looking, yeah, but he's, he's good looking. He's, he's probably looking. like Ashton, but I, I think that I knew more about him or more was said. So I am getting a respect with Ashton. Ashton, and especially now that he's married and has kids, I can't even imagine how this is impacting him. Right. And and great because yeah. he will push more. But you know, yeah, it's yeah. We could spiral all day about this. Well, we can't. We, what I could spiral spiral with is that we watch TV and the commercials are worth shit. Like, yeah. let's put 
stuff like this out there and educate people so that we can start making an impact ourselves and make a difference. But we're loaded with have you insignificant s- stuff. Yeah. Lawyers and drug commercials, which Gosh. only are in the U.S. They are not anywhere else in the world. Mm. So stupid. It, it, it really does take just one person to change a lot of things. So this is a good... Um, platform is it called a platform is this a good software software yeah Yeah, it's just good that should be exposed more like you were saying it's not out there yeah like like we need to get that out there people know that he has this foundation but it's still like i mean really the only information i found were the article saying Oh, his foundation saved 6,000 people, which were inaccurate. Yes. And then um, most of it I got from their actual website, which is great, but they they didn't even have a ton of information or from his, like, Senate speech. And I'm like, or articles that talked about his Senate speech. So it was all kind of like the same thing. And I'm like, why don't we learn more about this? Like, why this should be talked about way more. And we should be figuring out how we can help this. Mm -hmm. You know, like... You got to figure out those nonprofits and things that are worth, you know, putting your money into and donating to because a lot of them are not great. And it's like, you know, how can we help support this? How can we get the word out? How can, you know, yeah. any of these things? Yeah. So. I'm, I'm very impressed. Yeah. So hopefully that changes some people's minds about Ashton Kutcher. Because I feel like a lot of people are just like, oh, he's just like, he's just Kelso. He's this douchebag from TV. And like, sure, everyone's kind of a douchebag from TV, but at least he's doing something good with his money. Yeah. At least somewhat. So anyway, that's my story. Yeah. I I have much more to think and say about this, but so maybe we'll follow it up in November. I don't know. But um, kind of being personally involved with perpetrators and stuff like that from my my teenage years and you know that experience in my family um isn't that terrible though like we all know somebody that's been attacked in some way mm -hmm. like you know we all did the like the me too movement came out a couple years ago and it was kind of about anyone that's been sexually abused or sexually harassed which is like literally freaking everyone we've all been sexually harassed yeah all of us but um it's and it was it was kind of sad when everyone was posting me too and so many of my guy friends were like i had no idea it was all of you like wow and so many people were just like this is insane i'm so sorry but also like it's crazy how many of us know actual victims of of not just sexual harassment but sexual abuse like i know multiple people you know like personally know Mm -hmm. multiple people like, I can talk to pretty much anyone, and they're going to know somebody that's actually been abused. Like, how is this happening, and we're not doing anything about it? How are these people going free? A big thing is people aren't believed, and a lot of people don't come forward. But also, why do we have these lenient laws? It's so gross. That The law system has to be reformed. I mean... Um, just like, you know, the Children's Justice Center where uh, victims were interviewed by a CPS worker, then they were interviewed by a detective, and then they were interviewed by a doctor or whatever. None of them had the training on, you know, not 
asking leading questions or whatever, but to get a solid testimony because, but even though that is in place, I don't work there anymore. I don't know if, um, you know, the statistics are any different. What was that word? Statistics. Statistics? (laughs) You're adding an S in there. Statistics. There you go. (laughs) Cut it out. (laughs) No. Even... What? No. Yeah. No. Continue. Oh, God. Whatever. I I can't believe it. Even though the statistics... Beautiful. I used to say it really good back then. Um, I can't even remember what I was saying. But anyways, yeah. It, it's, uh, nobody had the training. They were interviewed by all these people. Yeah. And now that they do, and that, you know, like some law enforcement agency started that and then more and more and more came on board and it i don't know how they did it in other states but in utah you know we did uh these trainings for salt lake city police department and then we saw it go from city to city to city and i feel yeah it's amazing it and it is an in-depth training it is and everybody that came out of those trainings were like I had no idea. This gives me so much empowerment. But what are the statistics of those people that were, you know, sent to jail or whatever? What is their sentence now? Is it better than it was? That's what I would like to know. Because me tracking those, it was appalling. I could not even believe why why am I tracking. I could guess with what... Um, what the crime was before I even looked it up and look and I go, okay, this guy, I know what he's came off with, with a misdemeanor B, whatever. Jeez. And it, it isn't. When should rape ever be a misdemeanor? It or should sexual never, abuse of any ever. Kind? And, and stranger Gosh. danger does happen. Yeah. It happened in my family, but it's usually a family member. Yeah. But with the sex trafficking completely off the charts it's these people that are these perpetrators will find any way to oh like that jeffrey epstein dude oh my gosh the grossest and you wonder how he ended up how he did yeah you which is the best thing you also wonder how he died did he actually kill himself or did somebody kill him because he knew how many powerful people they're all creeps Power corrupts. It's gross. Mm -hmm. That's a whole nother subject because that is. um, Yeah. We we can't be like that. Okay. Well, that's mine. It's a nice, depressing, angering topic. But now now that we're talking about about dogs, you forgot you have to present. Yeah. This was good. Why can't we just do one person? No. Hold on. So now that I've I've talked and we've discussed puppies. We'll go on a lighter subject. What are you going to teach me about, Mom? Oh, I just got to take a drink. <laughs> She's nervous. <laughs> I've always wanted to be the presenter. I want to travel and present on something I know about. But if I don't know about it, I don't want anything to do with that. So I never want to present. It's the last I know. thing in the it's world. It's the opposite of us. I don't ever want to do it. It's the worst. And Nicole would be so good at it. I wouldn't. Because she is very smart. But I, if I know a subject, I want to go out there and tell people about it. But I don't like to, I don't like to present. I, I only like to be the, 
the um, center of attention when it's on my terms. And when I'm presenting, it's not on my terms, mm. you know? Like, if I have a story, I want to be like, everyone shut up and listen to me. But <laughs> look at me. Look at me. But if I'm, if it's not like that and somebody else being like, everyone look at Nicole. I'm like, no, that's <laughs> I'm just a big ball of anxiety. I don't like it. Which is hysterical that you just figured out like yesterday. You were like, why do you have so much anxiety? I know. <laughs> she talks about it, but I'm like, why would you? It's a I raised you to be thing. a confident, independent girl. This is this is a thing that maybe your generation or other generations don't understand. How social media, but just not only mm-hmm. that, but mm-hmm. just constantly being connected by things, but also um, the, uh, it's like, we don't have nostalgia anymore because everything is constantly like changing yes. and all this stuff. But also think about when you went to work at the hospital or, or even the Children's Justice Center or anything. You went and did your work and then you went home. We don't have that anymore. We go to work and then we go home and then we're still constantly connected to all of those work contacts that are emailing us and it's coming to our phone and they're on our social media and it's just a constant reminder of things or like it's very anxiety inducing. But also I think a lot of us are more open to talking about mental health. And so we're like, I'm depressed or I have anxiety. Like I for sure have anxiety. But that doesn't mean I'm not completely independent and confident. Like, I have no self-esteem issues. I should probably be taken down a peg. <laughs> in in <truth>. Yay! <laughs> so it's not about... Anxiety doesn't have anything to do with, with um, like, uh, like, raising a confident human being. That's not anxiety. That's the same thing with, like, depression. You can have everything in the world. That's why so many celebrities and stuff are still depressed. It's not a like give and take thing. It's a, it's just how your brain functions. And think about it. So I'm a five, you were a seven and a five with our Enneagram. It's just how you're programmed. Like, cause I grew up with like the boys making stupid decisions. I grew up with you being a very happy person, but I'm still, And dad's very pessimistic, but I wasn't really raised around dad a ton. I should have a very, like, flowery outlook on things like you do. Because you're really my main caregiver or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know. You were the most um, impactful on me, I should say. Because I don't want to make it sound like dad was absent from my life. Because he wasn't. But it doesn't matter. It's It doesn't... Like, things don't just shake out based on who raised you or what your environment is or whatever you know it's like some people that have nothing can be very happy some people that have everything can be depressed it's not about those things really it's kind of how your brain functions and i've got a lot of anxiety i just do i don't like it and it's a it's a it's probably um i'm an enneagram five i think it has a lot to do with just that because i like to know things but i also am always in a position where people can ask me questions and because I like to know things, I want to be prepared for any oh, question wow. I'm asked. That causes anxiety. And it's impossible. I know on a logical level, it's impossible to have an answer for any question that could possibly be asked of you. But it stresses me out that I might not have an answer. And then people around me might think she's an, not inadequate, but like mm, 
like at my job, it's like, oh, should we have hired her? She doesn't know what she's doing. Oh my gosh. It's, it's that kind of a thing. Oh my gosh. Nicole, this is crazy. I, you might have to cut some of this out because it's like, if somebody comes with me to a, with a question that I don't know, I'm just going to go, go ask somebody else. Like, yeah. Why, why do you feel like you have to know every answer? This is not okay. It's an anxiety thing. I know. Well, quit it and... Oh, it's that simple. It's no, like no, no, when no. depressed people, when people are like, just be happy. That's not how the brain works. I'm sorry. Okay, well, I do know that meditate... And I, you you can cut all this oh, out. Oh, I'm going to have Meditation to in the morning, affirmations you. in the morning. I've never done this. My dad was my affirmation, and so was my mom. Unconditional love. You yeah. have that with your mama, I know. I've got that with dad, too. Okay, then that's great. So... Unconditional love means that we're all imperfectly perfect and you should not question one damn thing that you think or do. So therefore, why should there be any anxiety? I I don't get the anxiety kick. I don't get it. Why? It's why? not a kick. Tell me why. I would happily no, no, no. not. Okay, okay. <laughs> Maybe a not a kick, but it's a but you know foreign object to me. I yeah. don't get it. But you know, Matt has it too. Well, yes. Anyway, you have to present because we've got to go get food. I don't want to present. Didn't we do it? No. I don't know. Go talk. Tell me about oh, stuff. No, I don't know anything. Here, yeah, see? This is my anxiety. But <laughs> There's your anxiety. It, this is about as big as it gets. It's like, I don't know. I'm going to get away with not knowing and everybody's going to deal with it. Fair enough. <laughs> and on. that's my anxiety level. Absolutely. Anyways, so listen. Okay, I'm listening. This is the story of Balto. Yay. Balto is a Siberian husky. It all started in January 1925 when doctors in Nome, Alaska, began to use, see symptoms of a deadly infection, diphtheria. Okay. Anchorage, which was more than 500 miles away, was the closest place where supplies of life-saving serum were at. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It just stops. It's so stupid. Where are you getting this information from? Gosh, I have other websites. Hold on. In January 1925, a deadly diphtheria epidemic threatened the children of Nome, Alaska. Okay. Medicine to stop the outbreak was in Anchorage, nearly a thousand miles away. Okay. I got questions already. (laughs) Your other source said 500 miles, now it's a thousand. I know. (laughs) It's fine. Just keep going. Somewhere in between there. So, they knew that they didn't have... Okay, this is off the grid. So, they knew that they could... It was so cold. It was the dead of winter. They don't ever tell me what month, whatever. But um, they couldn't even fly a plane over there. So they had to find a system that was going to work to get the medicine over to this area as quickly as possible. Okay. So somebody had an idea. (laughs) So they were like, you know what? Dogs. Let's do sled dogs. But we can't just do a sled dog because it was like... Five hundred thousand miles. <laughs> Five hundred thousand. This isn't gonna work, right? Bigger than the world. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's 
right? Central Park, shit. 500 to 1,000 miles away. But which, that's, like, huge. You can't, you oh, can't I know. be up there the presenting first, on this bullshit. Your first article said 500. Your next article said 1,000 miles. That's what I'm saying. Vast difference. Yes. Huge. Okay, now well, this one says 674. <laughs> okay. We need to get that out so of So it was, yeah. No, 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 no. We're going to start over. No, no, no. It's fine. So it was more than... F- 500 miles away is what we've discovered. It was actually 674 miles away. Right. That's a solid number. Okay. So, it's far away. It's the dead of winter. It's too cold. They can't use planes because it's Alaska and it's terrible. So, someone was like, you know what? Them sled dogs. That's all I got so far. So, what happens next? Because I actually genuinely don't know this story. I freaking drunk. <laughs> This is so unfair. (laughs) Oh, I think I needed a more serious (laughs) topic. Okay, this is called 1925 Serum Run to Gnome. Okay. They saved the small town of Nome right. from an epidemic. Right. Uh, both the mushrooms. <laughs> oh my god! Oh god! I I didn't look this up. Both the Okay. Whatever. It could have been fine. What are you talking about? Talking about. I can't do this. Okay. You talk. Now, this is totally off the subject. Yeah. Nicole talked about anxiety. To me, this is just funny. And I really don't care. But I am a little upset. No anxiety driven in this at all. That I'm doing this podcast and I know nothing. <laughs> oh no my gosh 12 hour oh. 55 minute flight oh. from $1,183 to Nome, Alaska Kyber. Uh, and the dogs are awake so yeah they are hang a distraction on. hang on just stop for two seconds and compose yourself <laughs> that's funny Nicole <laughs> okay keep going in January 1925 a deadly diphtheria get it together (laughs) i've i've had a little bit to drink all right in january 1925 a deadly diphtheria epidemic threatened the children of nome alaska okay medicine to stop the outbreak was in anchorage nearly or really over 600 miles away okay 
Great. 20 sled dog teams relayed the medicine through blinding snow and temperatures that reached 40 degrees below zero. <gasps> Oh my God. Balto, a Siberian Husky, led his team for the final 53 treacherous miles, oh. arriving in Nome just 20 hours later. So, if they would have taken, there was no way any plane could have yeah. taken flight and gone over there. Okay. It, it was really treacherous conditions. So, this I've been was- on a plane and they've had to de ice it. So, I can't even imagine negative 40. Because that was like, it's cold and snowing. That's it. It wasn't negative 40 ever. Yeah, I can't even imagine. No. You can't even walk outside not dressed properly without freezing. So, oh, no. Um, this team of people, somebody, yeah. I'll find out who that was, had the idea. <laughs> Whatever. When will you find out? Whatever. I can't do this thing right here and it took them five and a half days actually to get it there but it would have taken like a month any other way to transport huh. that medicine and they knew that they didn't have the time to do that did it say it took them 20 hours but over five days probably because they could only go probably a certain amount of time each. right yeah okay okay <laughs> maybe we don't know she's drunk <laughs> She spent no. a half hour researching The 20 was 20 mushers volunteered oh. for what would become known as the Great Race of Mercy. Um, okay. Le, uh, Leonard Sepalia, I probably butchered That's that fine. name, whatever, had some of the best dogs around and import that were imported directly from Siberian. Okay. The Siberian Husky. From Siberia? That's what I said, Nicole. You said Siberian. I did not. Go back and listen. You're gonna be so embarrassed. We will do this over. No, it's and fine. she will know that her mother said that this guy, Leonard Sapalia, yeah. had some of the best dogs around which were Siberian Huskies mm -hmm. imported from Siberia. So they were like the real deal, right? Great. And Balto, who did the last 53 miles, yeah. he was three years old. Oh, just the same age as Kaz. The serum arrived at Ninana on January 27th and was whisked onto the first sled then pass from one to another for lakes of about 24 to 52 miles until it reached the last team led by Balto. Despite his inexperience, Balto lived up to the challenge. Even when winds lifted the sled and all the dogs high into the air, he stayed on course. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, what a good boy. Togo, T-O-G-O, oh. actually took the longest and most perilous route, but Balto, the dog who led the final sprint, became the symbol of it all, of teamwork, courage, tenacity, and of hope when there seems to be no reason for it. Balto died in 1933 at age 14. He was pretty. He was a black Siberian Husky, so he was all black. Yes, he was. Yeah. 
He was all black, and then he had, like, white paws, like, white legs and a little white chest, but he was all black. Like, you would never look at him and go, that's a husky. Kind of looks like Kaz. A little bit. But they do have a monument uh, in Central Park in New York City, and the uh, the real Balto, mm-hmm. you're going to have to pause and edit this. Yeah. I know they stuffed him and put him in a, in oh. a museum. <laughs> Yes, they did. And I've got to find that page. So, how do you do this? Balto. Is it this? Balto. Oh, no. Um, what is that called when they do that? Taxidermy? Yeah, taxidermy. Oh, no. No. And he's in a he's in a museum somewhere, so oh, he's let alive me just find. in this photo. Weird. He looks weird in this photo, but he's alive. What a weird thing that he he's has. He's in a- Cleveland. He has a, what weird things. Why does he have a monument in New York? Be, I think that they were like really impressed with the story or something. Well, clear, I have clearly. To figure that out. And then, oh shit, there he is. He's not even black. He's brown. Oh yeah, Look, this is a better. I guess he is brown. Snowbound, okay. Snowbound Gnome, Alaska. See, not any of those websites, honestly, that I went on ever said Gnome, Alaska. Oh. It just said Gnome. I had to look this shit up to know that it was really Alaska. He's so Was hit cute. with an outbreak of incredibly, incredibly contagious diphtheria with the antidote miles away in Anchorage. With plane delivery impossible due to the conditions, the only way to get the serum to Nome and combat the fatal outbreak was with a relay of sled dog teams on the Itinerod Trail. Okay. I I love this website. (laughs) From Anchorage to Nome, a relay of dog sleds passed the serum off until it reached the final leg with runner... Balto. Okay. Oh, with runner Kaysen and his team led by a black. I think they're considered black, but he does look a little bit brown. Just to cut all that out. The last stretch was about 54 miles. The temperature remained below 40 degrees Fahrenheit. You mean 40 below zero Fahrenheit. That's what I meant. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. And and blizzards of snow. No, no, no. And duration. Beautiful. A beautiful. <laughs> I'm gonna have a solid four minutes of Balto to cut. <laughs> That'll be it. Oh, good gosh. Why? Are, why are they saying Kason when it's Balto? It's probably the runner, like the actual guy. Oh. Oh. Okay. <clears throat> the runner. The. I uh, guess. Yeah, I think that's what it was. Sure. We're going to go with Well, that. I've got to go. I've got to figure out who The internet is. will correct us. No, 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 no. Kaysen. I need to find out more information. What is his first name? I need to find this out. Because this is good. Gunnar Kaysen, a Norwegian and the owner of Balto, couldn't see where he was going. But Balto never faltered and passed through on the whiteout conditions. Balto was heralded as a hero throughout the country with a statue of him being placed in Central Park in his honor. Oh, I knew it was going to be pretty shitty. You got me drunk. What was I supposed to do? <laughs> I, didn't get, I didn't even pour you a drink. Oh, look here. whatever. I didn't, but look. Look, Kaysen received a citation from the governor of Alaska Territory. All mushers also received a daily wage from the public. 
public I fund. I don't care about that. Of thirty to forty dollars. Why? No. Company which manufactured the antitoxin awarded medals to the participant in the first relay. Mm-mm. He became a celebrity. No one else did. Him and his dog. Oh, look at this. Gosh, Why wouldn't you this read is, that? Well, I didn't. I didn't know that. I'm saying me. now. We're still recording. Well, I like your computer way more Here than mine. Okay, let's see. Can this you? This is gonna be absolute hell to edit. I know. That's what I told you. I knew it so would be. So maybe you should just let's go. White out everything. But listen. Okay, so Anchorage is six hundred plus miles away. Yeah, all those Balto does. Sites were stupid. Hey, he's my age. Okay, Balto so, does the last fifty-four miles, something like that. Yeah. All right. He did the last fifty-four miles with Gunnar Kaysen, who was his musher. Okay. They. Went 600 plus miles with 300,000 units of diphtheria antioxidant, uh, anti, anti toxin oh. to Nome Alax. <laughs> this would be so much to better in the morning. I am really sharp. They actually arrived ahead of schedule. Oh, and Gunner. Kaysen was not, he wasn't the only dude, right? It was like a team of people and their dogs. It was a he team was just, of 20. Okay, and he was just the last dude with his dog, who yes. was Balto. So he, okay. so they hailed him as the hero, Balto. Even though one of the other dogs actually went more miles. I remember <laughs> oh, that dog. I'd be pissed. I know. I'd be like, excuse me. Unlike the other mushers, Kaysen became a celebrity and was offered a movie role. Oh. Balto became even more famous. On December 17th, 1925, a bronze statue of the large black dog was unveiled in Central Park in New York City. Which is weird. What a weird spot. He appeared in Madison Square Garden before a crowd of 20,000 people. Oh, but listen, another statue was erected in downtown Anchorage. Oh, good. Yeah. Depicting a sled dog in mid-stride, and though most consider this to be another likeness of Balto, the plaque itself never mentions the famous dog Hmm. and instead is dedicated to all dog mushers and their heroic dogs. Oh, okay, good. That's nice. So they weren't still just like, here's this dog. What are you laughing at? <laughs> it didn't go. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Nicole and her mom. <laughs> no, mom's subject wasn't okay. Well, next time you'll. Let's do the beach. <laughs> learn. Well, next time you'll have time. Yeah, let's do the beach. Again, practice. But Maybe. I love dogs. I would rather do a history on Kaz. He hasn't done anything great yet, except for be real cute. This is going to be the worst episode to edit. (laughs) Poor Nicole. She just might not want to do it at all. I might just scrap it and be like, sorry, I know. I think Nicole should do her presentation with me. I know Ashton Kutcher and Thorn is real important, but we just can't (laughs) air this shit anymore. No, you can and cut out your mama's shit. Oh, no, no. Just do an individual. That would be weird. No, it wouldn't. It for sure would. No, you could say, 
Look, my mom has no anxiety. Look so how pretty she, he was. She did a podcast and I decided not to use it. And guess what? She has no anxiety over it at all. No, I can't do that. Look how pretty he was. Oh my gosh, he doesn't even look like a husband. I know. There's not a lot of these. Um, I knew somebody who had these. Turns 100. What the hell does that mean? Because it was like teen twenty-five, yeah. Well, they did stuff them and put them in that museum. Kind of grossed me out, but does how was he turning a hundred? When was he born? Well, it was nineteen twenty-five. That has not been a hundred years. That would be twenty twenty-five. So it's clearly like when he was born. What year was this? He was was three years old. So it's this year. Well, he was three years old when he ran. So. This is saying that he had to have been six, so I don't know. This doesn't make any sense. This was a good website because, like I said, the ones that I did didn't even say what gnome was. I knew it was Alaska, but I'm like, oh, I gotta make sure. Balto died at the age of 14. He is now mounted and housed in, in a permanent collection at the Cleveland Museum. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, just bury him. I don't think that's okay. This is <laughs> yikes. <laughs> okay, gosh. How much I, did you train? I did it, but it's just I don't like it. The Cleveland Museum of Natural <laughs> celebrating his birthday with a celebration. Sorry, Nicole, I didn't do well, but it, I don't know if we're gonna be able to air this one. <laughs> I we'll don't think so either. See. I don't want you to put a lot of hours into it, honestly. Yeah, I won't. I'm gonna end this now. Um, this has been Half Ass History with Cola and my mom. Drink up. We're gonna go get some food. Well, that's the episode. As always, thanks so much for listening. Follow us on Instagram at Half-Ass History Podcast, on Facebook at Half-Ass History, and on Twitter at Half-Ass underscore pod. If you have episode ideas you'd like to send in, or just a shit ton of corrections, you can get in touch with Cola at Podcast at gmail.com. Until next time, dummies, this has been Half-Ass History.